All right, I'm going to hand over to Johnny. Um, and he's going to introduce us to Pete, who's going to be sharing with us as well. Um, Johnny is actually, uh, we, we like to joke, um, he did his DTS in Musenberg a year ahead of me. So he's my older uh, YWAM companion. Um, but yeah, he's been in YWAM a long time. I think everybody knows who Johnny is. So over to you, Johnny. Okay, thanks, Philip. I'm just, I'm about to interview someone. I'm just checking that he's actually on the call. He's, as he was, as uh, you were finishing off, he was trying to get, uh, get onto the call there. So is Peter Adams here yet? Let's just hope he is. If you are, you could unmute yourself, Peter. Um, otherwise, let me just give a, a quick intro while he clicks the buttons, <laughs> maybe. Um, Tova, you could just connect with <laughs> Peter and make, make sure he's on his way. Um, but Belinda, uh, I thought that was a brilliant uh, devotional. I think we can we all agree that was there was just something very real about that um, because it was grounded in in real situations um, and uh, and um, that's it's very meaningful that we're not talking. Uh, in why one way we shouldn't be a theoretical organization or philosophical we we should be grounded on in reality and uh, in, in the worlds we live in um just a quick introduction to me i was a ywam kid my parents left new zealand and moved to northern ireland in the middle of our civil conflict here uh, we had for the size of our con uh, population we had a 9 11 every two weeks uh, as i grew up as a ywam kid here my parents were living in a very divided society where people were uh, dying every day on the news. Um, and into that, they became what great YWAM pioneers are, which is uh, reconcilers and peacemakers. Um, and uh, so as we want to talk today, we want to talk about this issue of polarization. I see Peter has joined us. Um, uh, and I think it's very, it's a really good for the organizers of this these two days to include this subject because um, I think we could all agree that when we turn on the news and pretty much every day, uh, we see very extreme positions and we see a world and our own countries increasingly divided. Um, and what is the role of YWAM in that? Should, do we pick a side? Do we just sit in the middle? Uh, do we proclaim neutrality? Um, what is the role of, of YWAMers in this space? Uh, we have social media today, which uh, uses algorithms which tell us, which figure out what where we lean politically and only surround us with voices that already agree with ourselves. And so we have what we call in English echo chambers. Um, and echo chambers, so social media becomes just a, a, a big, um, <laughs> big bunch of information that just feeds back to us what we already think. And so we're not, even as YWAMers or Christians throughout Europe, we're often not doing very good at listening to the other side and hearing. Um, and it's very easy to lose that kind of place of shalom that Belinda was talking about and become just ro rolling around in the dirt and uh, with contention and arguments. So, so therefore, it's, I think it's really brilliant for us as leaders in Europe to be talking about how do we be YWAM in this time of I would say possibly un in my lifetime, unprecedented polemical, to use a big English word, polarized kind of 
um, world? How do we do that? So it's with great pleasure that I want to introduce um, Peter Adams. <clears throat> some of you would know Peter um, and some of you won't know him. Uh, Peter actually was in YWAM for many years. I can't tell you the exact years, probably late 70s, Peter. Um, he wrote a book in those years. He was very much one of the key leaders in YWAM England. And then he became, uh, I think he was the founding dean of the College of Humanities um, in the U of N, Peter. Uh, I was the second dean. Oh, the second dean, there you go. Um, Joining YWAM in 81. 81, 81. So uh, Peter was just, if, if in case if you're joining, Peter was has been a real legend in YWAM. And um, I guess maybe 10 years or more, he stepped out of YWAM and became a real figure of peacemaking in the town of Luton um, and in really in the country of England. Um, and he's now loved and really um, a deeply important figure in, in the city of Luton. Um, and he can probably tell you more about it, but Luton is a very divided city between, it's kind of the, the founding town of English white nationalism. So the kind of white far right extremists kind of emerged really in places like Luton. Uh, and then also you have a very large Islamic community. And so in many ways, it's an exaggerated version of this kind of polarization that we have in society. And Peter has been doing amazing work He's been featured in news programs, national news programs, radio programs, and he's seen as a real uh, trusted voice on how Christians should be responding in these days. So can I just uh, encourage us to give him a big kind of silent Zoom hand clap, if you can see that. Um, and he's someone we should really honor. And it's, it's great to have you, Peter. So I'm gonna hand over to Peter and he's gonna just share for about 15 minutes and then he and I are going to have a bit of Q&A, a bit of conversation. And at that point, we'd just love to hear uh, or love to see uh, conversation in the chat, particularly questions in the chat. Uh, if you have questions about maybe your base, your nations, um, how, do you, how do we deal with polarization as YWAM? Okay, so without further ado, um, Lord, thank you for Peter and help him to be anointed as he shares with us this morning. Over to you, Peter. Thanks so much, Johnny. It's great to be with you. And I see quite a few names I know and love on the, there on the screen. I've been out of YRAM. We left YRAM in 2007. Um, but I've not got long, so I'm going to rush in. Um, my apologies for being late. Everything. I got the hour wrong. <laughs> I then lost the link. And then Zoom decided it wanted to up, up, update itself. <laughs> um, I'm going to share a screen. Um, I might. Can you see that? I've titled this. This is something we've done. We're doing currently as a as a course at church at the moment and doing more widely. And it reflects an approach I've used in peacemaking over the years. Um, but very much applied to our current situation. We're currently teaching this as a Lent course, or we will be teaching this as a Lent course next week, and so on. I, Jesus, truth, and grace. Creating a meeting point for truth and grace, justice and peace. I've based my thinking here on the words in John 1, 14. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. What did Jesus' glory look like? It's a question I've often asked myself. We see him in the paintings with a halo around his head. Did this man walk through first century Palestine with a halo around his head? I don't think so. What did that grace and truth look like? What did that glory look like? I want to suggest to you that it was a man who managed to embody within himself fully grace, kindness, mercy, compassion, and truth. And he did that in such a way that actually no one overcame the other. I don't know about you, but I am drawn to one. I won't tell you which. Some of you may know me. You think you know. We tend to come one way or the other. But Jesus managed to, in every meeting he had, in every situation he encountered, he managed to embody grace and truth. There's another key thing here. He became flesh. Literally, it says he pitched his tent amongst us. And we're using the image in this teaching of a Bedouin tent. Somehow within that tent are to be found grace and truth. I want to extend this. Truth and grace, truth and mercy are two words that come together regularly in the Old Testament. If you do a search on them, you'll find they come together very regularly. No time to look at that just now. There was one fascinating verse in Psalm 85, verse 10, where it says, truth and mercy have met together, justice and peace have kissed. You look at the New American Standard, it's loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. That verse has been taken by a leading international peacemaker, John Paul Lederach, who really is in academic circles, in secular circles, as well as in Christian circles, the guru on peace building. Johnny would, may have come across his work there in Northern Ireland. He's worked in many nations around the world, around the world, the Philippines, Nepal, Central America, and so on. And he has proposed a model of creating a place of meeting, a place of reconciliation where these four themes come together. I want to extend our tent, therefore, to being a place where grace and truth, but also justice and peace come together. When I first encountered this model, I was fascinated because it incorporated four words that when I did an Old Testament theology course, oh, way back too, too long ago, um, my tutor bases teaching on the four key words of the covenant that God made with Israel. Emet, which is literally steadfastness or truth. It has a sense of reliability, not just um, absolute truth, 
ideas, but a reliability that you often find and incorporate within a person. He used, God used the theme of sedek or justice and righteousness. We often find those two pitting against each other, used separately, but those two words come together as one in the word sedek. He uses the word shalom or peace, but literally in the Old Testament, where we come across shalom, we have a sense of peace, well-being and welfare. And finally, in the covenant is the word heseth, loving kindness, mercy, sometimes translated covenant love. And the covenant that God makes with his people incorporates all of those. Just a little feature there. Go back to the, a verse that I know captures much teaching on the character of God that everybody in YWAM will have been through and hopefully made a part of your life. And it's certainly a part of my life. And I try and take that into what I do every day in my work. Exodus 34, God meeting with Moses on the mountain, he comes and he declares himself, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. We've got there two of the key words themselves, heseth and truth. Along with that, we've got justice in the theme of not leaving the guilty unpunished. And then the wider context of the covenant, um, we've got shalom. Um, I've referred there to Leviticus 26. I can't go into that. I would love to do so. But these four themes come together consistently through the covenant. And for people to know God, they must know these four things. To live within his covenant, to live as his people, they must embody these four things. I suggest we bring that idea forward into the New Testament. The cross of Christ is a meeting place of justice and righteousness, of truth, of peace with God, and of love. reflect on that for a moment at the cross those four things come together as god makes his new covenant with our, with mankind i want to suggest that just as god's old testament plan was his wisdom for a community they are god's wisdom for any community and the conduct of relationships in any situation and as such, they are core to restoring relationship where it's broken down. Where those things meet, there is reconciliation. One moment. Sorry, I'm just looking through my notes here. Truth. What happens when we have truth in a relationship? There is honesty. 
there's revelation, there's clarity, there's transparency, there's accountability, there's vulnerability, because we know we are seen. There's acknowledgement of stuff. We see each other truly. But without the presence of truth, conflicted situations will never be resolved. And yet just truth, and you are very vulnerable. Cold hard truth is not enough to sort everything out. We need mercy, compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, support, healing, and you start God's grace. Healthy relationships rely upon a good portion of grace. Without forgiveness and compassion, healing is out of the question. Yet on its own, mercy can be superficial. We move on too quickly. Justice. It's about putting things right. It's about equality. It's about equalizing opportunity. Rectifying wrong. It might be about restitution. <coughs> Without justice broken relationships fester and then we have peace harmony well-being welfare unity respect and security that word shalom is so powerful it's a feeling and a prevalence of respect and security but that peace is not just about you it's about all This is a prayer I use myself quite regularly. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I've always been mindful of your unfailing love, Keseth, and have lived in reliance upon your faithfulness, literally, Emmet. Hold yourself before God in both those dimensions. So, in our model. I have found this to be a model that I'm very useful when I'm working in peace building as a mediator, inviting two groups in conflict into the tent of reconciliation. And in the tent of reconciliation, all of these things are to be found. I have a number of questions I ask people and I take people for a process that involves those four aspects. I can't look at this now but you'll see some of the stuff I take people through. Not always in that order. You have to play it according to the situation and as God leads. However, I think we're in a different situation than the one Johnny's asked me to address this morning. This is also a helpful model when I find myself in conflict, myself in conflict with another. It guides me in how to approach it because I am the place where God's glory dwells, where God's truth and grace reside. He has pitched his tent in my heart. And I must uphold these four things. However deep into a conflict I am, and I can assure you I have been deep in conflicts. 
how do how do I walk in the awareness of those four things? And the sort of situation we're talking about this morning, where there is profound disagreements over stuff, over situations, over ideas, how do I respond? How do I conduct myself in conversation with somebody who thinks totally differently to me? Some questions I ask myself. How do I prepare for a meeting with somebody who's different? What do I see when I hold up a mirror to myself? Not looking at the other person. As we prepare so often, we tend to prep ourselves for an encounter with somebody. And we are psyching up ourselves up and we're rehearsing the arguments. But I believe God would have us hold up a mirror to ourselves. I believe it's important to ask ourselves, how can I hum humble myself appropriately? So I come into this situation with humility. I'm not standing tall and proud. Yet at the same time, how do I guard my spirit? To ask myself, where am I not prepared to go in this exchange? And why? I need to ask myself, how do I welcome this person X into my tent? Genuine welcome. How do I show honor and respect for this person, even though they're different and they think very differently? And they may come full anger, ready for an argument. How do I show honor and respect? In my work, I often sit down with people with whom I profoundly disagree. And I've sat down with leaders in the far right, Muslim fundamentalists who seek war. Both of them, both sides, sat down with people of all views. How do I show honor and respect? How do I see the image of God in that person? During my conversation, I must ask myself, I ask myself to let God remind me of the fellowship I've enjoyed with that person in previous days and years. And I try to see them in the same light. And then I regularly try and remind myself to ask the question, if Jesus were to sit here with us, and actually he is sitting here with us, how would he help us find points of unity? I'm going into that conversation ready to share what I think. But am I going into that conversation ready to change? God is not asking me to change now, but will he ask me to change when I've heard what they have to say? How can I take this person into my heart and yet at the same time guard myself? These are many questions and I'm only just giving you a little flavor of this this morning. 
The key is, how do we come into this place? This tent, this meeting place, and meet with the other person, with another group, and how do, we how do we do that knowing that the tent poles of this tent, the entrance to this tent, the atmosphere of this tent are one of justice, grace, truth and peace. And in that place, may truth abound, may justice be met, may peace be encountered, and may we know grace. We use a prayer, this is in conclusion, whenever we teach this stuff. Being a Church of England, member of the Church of England, I love liturgy. And I ask, the, I ask I've often prayed this prayer, Jesus, God of truth and God of grace, come and pitch your tent among us, we pray. Teach us to live in the truth, empower us to seek your justice, Lead us in the ways of peace and overwhelm us with your compassion, forgiveness and grace for the sake of the world and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jolly. Peter. Thanks, Peter. Um, as, as you were talking, I felt like uh, you're really giving us a... Um, uh, a kind of a sermon that it's like the best sermon where you kind of just want to sit and at the end we should have an altar call and all come up and uh confess our sins um but i i meant to lead a conversation with you now uh, when <laughs> you can come up and kneel the altar uh, with it, Johnny. It's, it's like we're meant to be having an altar call and instead i'm asking questions so uh maybe just let's just take a minute um before we rush into kind of um you know, there are good questions and it's good to flesh this stuff out in reality. But why don't we just take a minute as YWAM leaders in Europe um, and just think about some of these things that Peter's just said, coming into places, conversations with humility, with grace, wanting to listen and learn from the other, valuing the place of unity. And of course, that place, coming to that place where truth, mercy, justice, and peace meet, uh, and valuing reconciliation. Um, why don't we just take a minute and just in our own hearts, maybe come to the altar. Let's respond to that altar call and, um, and just give, it, give, give whatever you're carrying to the Lord this morning. Um, let's just take a minute. And I don't have any background music. Maybe we'll just be quiet. and. Uh, just, just a minute, and let's give to the Lord our pride and uh, uh, whatever we need to give him this morning.
maybe um, as we just as we're, we're praying we're aware in our own lives of areas of pride of unforgiveness of resentment of ways in which we have um, sometimes been part of a problem of creating division in, in society um, why don't we just um, take all that stuff and maybe you want to just unmute yourself right now um, and let's not pray any long prayers but let's just speak out this two words in whatever language is your language let's just say these two words i'm sorry so lord we come to you and we want to say these two words i'm sorry so Lord, we, we as, as YWAM leaders, we're aware that we can fall into uh, the, you know, a trap of, of uh, demonizing each other, dehumanizing, of, um, of focusing on political differences, um, finding identity in earthly things instead of finding our identity in you. And um, Lord, help us. And Lord, I just pray that you bless this. Uh, whatever we've got, 20, 30 minutes now to talk uh, and just process the, the deep questions around this. Amen. <clears throat> okay, Peter, um, uh, thanks for, uh, for sharing. I, I just want to kind of, uh, I want to just kind of ask you a couple of things and just kind of tease this all out a little bit. Um, one comment I heard uh, from a, in a, a Christian leader, a friend of mine, Jonathan Martin, said, um, as Christians, we're not called to be in the middle, but we are called to be in between. Um, and I guess by saying that, he was remembering, even at a time, he's from an American context, where the civil rights movement was happening in the 1960s. And there were many good, respectable leaders who were telling Martin Luther King, you know, I think you should just calm down a little bit. Even the great Billy Graham was one of those people. He said, you know, he's famous for having, you know, written to Martin Luther King, said, just tone down this rhetoric. And, and of course, Martin Luther King said, well, you know, I, I think God is wanting us to, to, you know, march for, for justice. And as we look back now, 50 years later, we're like, well, thank goodness, Martin Luther King didn't just kind of sit in the middle and say, well, there's, there's right on both sides. He, he was able to articulate a passionate call for truth. Of course, he did it nonviolently. I wonder if you could just speak into that uh, a little bit for us, because I suppose the answer isn't just that we're in the middle and that we're just moderates in the middle that don't have any op opinions. We are meant to have a prophetic voice. But how do we do that in a way that brings people together and honors people, sees the image of God in each other? What's some of your thoughts? I think using the language, I mean, I love that quote from you've used, uh, using the model I've been presenting here, literally I pitched that tent in between. And I pitched it where I believe Jesus would pitch it. And representing all those, that's why those four themes are so important for King, and I, I've studied 
widely deeply in the models and mo that Dr. King used in in bringing community, his own community out and seeking the rights. At the same time, doing that in a way where there was not permanent separation between communities and standing. And I think you've got to, you've got to pitch that tent. You've got to recognize that actually God's standards are the thing that hold that place. And I'm not prepared to compromise. I'm prepared to listen. I'm prepared to come in humbly. I'm prepared to seek to see God in that person, in that other situation, but I'm not prepared to compromise. I am prepared to change. That may be different. And that means taking myself out of a situation and saying, I, my people, my tribe, my nation, I'm not the God standard. So many of us, you know, have used the sense of God is most present in us, in our denomination, in our group, in our mission organization, in our community. Everybody else is less. But that is not where we stand when we stand in that tent. We stand in a place where actually the one who is a genuine true host in that tent is the one who looks at me, my enemy, and everybody else with the same hearts and the same compassion. That may be that I stand in between. Literally, I take this teaching, these models, and take them. I've stood in between conflicting groups. That may be what peace building is about. At the same time, it may mean that I, as the quote-unquote enemy, walk into the camp of the enemy. So St. Francis went with the Crusades, and he went and he met with the other side. He went with Jesus, and he pitched a tent there. And that is a place where actually God's grace, I've been in encounters with leaders of terror groups, where God's grace overwhelmed a situation and nobody could talk because we had created that place where everything was just disarmed. And yet at the same time, God's standards were there. And I, I mean, there's so much I could say, Johnny, but I, I, maybe you can push further in that. Yeah. Um... I think um, if I could just name something, name a, a couple of issues where we've really had, uh, in our, if you open uh, most of our social media in the last um, uh, five years, you will see you will see these things. Um, and so I want to just name a few just to kind of get it out there. Um, one of the most divisive, probably, probably the United States of America is probably the kind of the um, the poster child of. of polarization at the moment and we saw it at you know uh at the the you know the capital kind of right you know the the whatever you call it um and that mirrored maybe 
uh, unrest for um, Black Lives Matter. That's one kind of uh, situation, and it has reverberations. Even though we're in in Europe, there the that American context is kind of echoing across our continent too, in different ways. The uh, another issue is Brexit um, here in yeah. the United Kingdom, and I'm I'm sitting literally on the Irish border right now, where yeah. this was quite an issue. And I suppose I want to just make a and and we could look east. We could go Ukraine, Russia. Uh, Crimea, we could look uh, in, in lots of European countries at very real kind of situations. And I suppose maybe it's good for me to name the fact that it's okay for YWAMers to be on either side of the Brexit issue, for instance. It's okay. You know, you can be pro-Brexit and you can be anti-Brexit, and that's okay. You know, the, this kind of conversation shouldn't be led by someone who has no opinion and just sits in the middle. Does that make sense? So I guess how do we then hold these kind of, in an organization like YWAM, hold quite different political perspectives um, and yet not be in this kind of toothless lack of prophetic middle, but also really um, seeking unity and walking in humility. I guess that's the silver bullet. How do we do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when we come into that tent and I just continue to use that model, we are disarmed. We, but we, and we put down certain things at the entrance. We put down the things that divide us and our intentionality to hold them up as defenses to ourselves. We put down the things that we are proud in because we have something that we're even more proud of, and that's Jesus. And I can't stand in any tent and be proud of my nation and allow that to come between me and the other person. Because <laughs> if that comes between me and the other person, I suggest it's more important than God and it's more important than them. And so in an organisation of many nations like YWAM, I want to say nationalism and any, I, any worldview, any ideal that gets in the way of my relationship with somebody different or prevents me doing what God has called me to do, God has called Wyman to do, anything that gets in the way of that has no place. So I would suggest nationalism has no place in YRAM. No place at all. Because it will be an offence to those who come from a very different background for whom that identity, that nation, is a thing that has a history of bringing pain and suffering to them. At the same time, does God love that American? Does God love that Brit? And I come and I've been around the world. And though some of you may, you know, know my history. I nowadays I just walk the streets of Luton, a little city of two hundred thousand people, and seek to work here. But in my time in the mission, I travelled to some 65, 70 nations, and one of the things I did was seek to walk as a Brit in places where British nationalism 
empire was a profound offence. And sought, I sought to dismantle that in different ways in different places. Nowadays, I walk in a diff on different streets in a different place. But I, can ne I, I, I came to that place over a journey. And it was a long and complex journey. It was a painful journey. As I realised what I represented to those people. But actually, at the end of those times of encounter, you know, we had washing of feet, we had deep tears, we had deep, profound engagements one another, with one another. Mm. And I think we've got to allow the heart of this to come into the heart of the mission. If we want God, if we want God's glory, Jesus is glory to be revealed in our place. We have got to lay down the things that separate us. And if you hold those things as more valuable than your relationship with somebody from another context, I want to suggest you've got an idol. I'm not naming what those things are, but I invite you to ask God what the idols are in your life. Yeah, it's, that's really good, Peter. Um, uh, I think just uh, as removed as you're talking about washing feet, and I think I would imagine, I would hope that all of us on this call have been in YWAM meetings where we've, we've probably literally washed feet and asked forgiveness. Uh, I remember having to ask forgiveness on my DTS when Darlene Cunningham <laughs> told us to, uh, you know, confess uh, anything. And uh, I had been kind of moaning about one of my roommates. And um, I remember in tears in front of 150 people and, you know, and I'm sure we've all got those stories of kind of uh, humbling ourselves and uh, confessing um, uh, Rhonda Ashworth, Stephen Rhonda in Amsterdam. Um, hey, Steve Rhonda. Long time. Great kind of um, people who I think really model a lovely piece about them. Uh, Rhonda's just talking about that. Like how is, is YOM locations, how can we be, um, how, how can our ministry staff network of relationships become places for this kind of reconciliation you're talking about in communities and just I, I guess the thought comes to my mind is I remember at a Western Europe gathering in Milan Neil Cole gave this kind of prophetic word to YOM that we were to be creating arcs around the world and arcs in that kind of sense of places of refuge from kind of the principalities out there in the world and if if the world is full of this kind of principality of dissension and hatred and polarization how is that how could our ywam communities be these arcs of reconciliation do you have any thoughts on that <laughs> again i mean the anything i can say in this time is highly simplistic i think sometimes you just need to create something symbolic so actually for a long time i never got it but for a long time on my wish list and on my something i submitted into every project i sought to raise funding for was literally a tent. In order that I could create something symbolic that represented differently to the place around me. And in that place, it could be a holy place. A ho it was holy ground where actually, I just literally, I step into it and I consciously leave behind the things that separate. And I invite others into that place and to be a place of dialogue. There's nothing soft and woolly about this encounter. I mean, the words we've got in Psalm 85, two words. We've got truth 
and mercy have encountered one another. Literally, that word encounter is a word that is about doing business. It can be about quite violent business, but it has a sense of an encounter being a, a meeting that results in love and respect. But then we've got the very different words. We've got peace and justice of kissed. There's an intimacy there. And actually, that, those are two things I bring into organizing encounter. Now, you can do that symbolically in different ways, but actually, unless you do it, unless your base, unless your team, unless your community are places where there is reconciliation between people of different views in your midst, I suggest you are not the answer to community's issues, you are a problem. And so for us in Luton, a city of, as I say, 200,000 people, we're 55% plus, probably 65, 70% now. We have a census in a few months' time that will tell us. Probably about 50, 65 to 70% of our nation, of our city, are not ethnic Brits. White ethnic Brits. They are people from all nations all around the world. And if the church is not an agent of healing and reconciliation in, in Luton, who can be? If YWAM, wherever you are, is not an agent of healing and reconciliation in your place, then I want to suggest that no one has any hope for that place. And you've got to walk a journey to make it happen. Again, as I say, I can't give you simplistic answers. Yeah. I can just give you an idea. And the journey we've walked in Luton over these last 14 years, it has been, is creating a place where the church is that place of safety for all in our community, including the many Muslims in our city. Um, I think a, a, a great model um, in YWAM probably was uh, the reconciliation walk that Lynn um, led, uh, which um, kind of did take an historic grievance that, um, you know, the, the Islamic world was kind of holding against Christianity, this legacy of the Crusades, almost a kind of lens through which the Islamic world saw every action of a Western political leader or, and then saw every kind of Christian through that lens of the, the offense of the past. And I think that walk seems to me to have been a, a brilliant model where YWAM stepped out and said, um, let's do a walk where we, where we actually um, just say sorry. You know, that yeah. was what it was. Um, and I think it's amazing that that happened. And uh, I know it was, looking back, it was one of the last, you know, major initiatives my dad was involved in from 95 to 2000. My mom and dad, before dad passed away, was, was that walk. And of course, that was then something that you took on and we do a border walk here. Um, uh, it, it does seem to me that in YWAM, uh, we rightly have, our, have a focus on waves of young people going into the world. Um, and, but sometimes we can miss the sense that part of the wave is, is that loving your enemy. Yep. You know, that's part of, Jesus said the greatest commandment, love God. Second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Let me tell you about a good Samaritan and um, who was the great enemy of the time. Uh, 
And uh, so, I mean, I wonder, Peter, if you can just reflect a little bit on as YWAM, where we often have, we quite rightly desire to evangelize, we want to disciple, we want to intercede, but sometimes this kind of area of creating tents for encounter and engage with people who are totally different mm -hmm. what is evangelism it's good news what is that good news it's about god coming into a community god coming to people and meeting them but what is but what is that what's that good news look like in many places, in many war-torn and divided cultures, I want to suggest that the, the absolute bottom line for good news has got to be a place where people, where I am welcome and where somebody else is welcome who's very different to me. I think we've allowed things to be to separate us that, quite frankly, are not on God's agenda. But not only that, I want to suggest that we've allowed things, we're allowing things to separate us that profound that make us profoundly not good news to many, many young people in our world. And the church has got to deal with that before it can become, become good news to a, another generation. That, that, again, that's just touching two points there in very broad sweep. Yeah. Um, Peter, uh, this is good stuff. I hope we're kind of following this and trying, trying to kind of um, appropriate your words to our own locations. And, and, and I think the key distraction here would be to think, well, that's for that, those guys. It's not for us. And I it's think for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's some great comments here. Uh, please, um, maybe in this last five or 10 minutes, just throw in any other questions or comments. Uh, Luigi is, is, um, is bringing out some great stuff about Pope Francis there. Um, we should all go and do a retreat in Italy, I think, Luigi, and you cook for us. Um, uh, uh, there's a question there, David Stabler uh, in Wieler. Um, just talking about Black Lives Matter, um, and uh, maybe this is one of these kind of uh, issues that is, uh, it's an issue in our, in our world, and it can divide people. Um, so maybe let's just kind of touch on this for a second. Yep. Obviously, Black Lives Matter emerged out of America, but there have been kind of protests, I think, pretty, pretty much in every European country, or pretty, most countries in the world. Um, and whether it's Black Lives Matter or just this understanding of, of difference matters. Uh, uh, there's a question there. Um, David says, our friends, some YWAMers who are greatly involved in Black Lives Matter, often in our conversations, they do not want reconciliation. They want a fundamental transformation or revolution. Um, how do I respond? And 
maybe if I could frame the question in, in just in kind of saying again, this is one of these issues that uh, can become contentious and, and divisive. Um, how do we, um, what should our, be our stance in an issue when this issue of racial injustice, thinking about the past, um, you know, I'm, well, I'm in Ireland, but I'm also in the UK. I'm in the UK, one of the great colonial nations yeah. colonized yeah. half the world. Um, how do we kind of respond and systemic racism, that issue that's been brought up? Um, yeah. We're not defending a side. We're not defending a cause. We're, we're creating the place where Jesus would dwell if he came and pitched his tent in the midst of that tension. It's a place where justice has to be addressed. The injustices of the past and the injustices of the present that mean that, for example, here in the UK, when you look in the Black communities, the Asian communities, the death rates from COVID are profoundly higher than in any other community. So when I walk the streets of Luton, I know that my Muslim, when I see my Muslim friends, I know that my colleague there, deep friend, has literally been involved in burying 15 people in his community that day, many of whom he will have had personal relationship with. I cannot allow myself to take anything, take any view that alienates myself from his journey, his story. Whether it's the story of now or the story of the past. Nor do I take the side, his side in that. I'm taking Jesus' side. And that's why sometimes in it is useful to have that Again, I come back to the image of a tent. It's, it's useful to pitch a tent as a literal symbol, a reminder that something different rules this space, governs this space. And we can talk about the truth. Now, in the BLM, Black Lives Matter protests, yes, the far left were involved. I, in challenging the far right here in Britain, in my, in my town, I've encountered and worked very closely with and talked to leaders in the far right. I've also talked to leaders in the far left, including groups that gather together under a coalition that we regularly call Antifa. I know the leaders of that locally, but I want to say that in dealing with a protest of the far right, it was not an answer to engage with the politics of the far left. And I very quickly found that. Antifa has not been able to establish itself in our city because of the work we did to say protest and representing and challenging the far right does not lie with Antifa, it lies in creating a very different space. So actually, I don't take Antifa's side, I don't take the far right side, but I seek to position myself in between where Jesus is. And I let his rules, his values create that place. And I will not allow myself to be identified with a message that separates me from my black brother or sister. I have to embrace them. I have to love them. I have to hear them. And the church in Luton, the black church in Luton is involved in a, 
a process now with the rest of, of the church in our, in, our, in our town. Because we've said we cannot allow the ongoing separation to exist. Now, we don't use the term BLM in that context. When BLM had protests here in Luton back in, June, in May, June, what did we do? I gathered together a group of people to steward that time in order to prevent any crisis, any chaos, any separation. Um, we stewarded, we mediated in that context so as to prevent destruction and so as to represent something different. When we've had the far right and the far left protesting in our city, we've, we've very definitely created a place where actually the church and indeed many in the Muslim community have been there involved in, in stewarding, in community mediation, in helping our town remain a respectful and compassionate place where everybody can live in safety. So actually you're not taking sides in any situation. You are creating Jesus as a place where he would pitch his tent, where he would dwell and where he would challenge each and every person. Peter, um, I think that uh, we could probably keep talking about this. We for a could long indeed. Time. <laughs> you know, uh, until um, we all kind of get there, get the message. But I think um, I think we need to kind of probably wrap it up there. Uh, yeah. And I just want to, uh, in front of us all, is YWAM Europe. Really honor you for your many decades of, of service to YWAM and and. Uh, just amazing you're you're someone who is embodied uh the father heart of god i think to to many of us i saw uh cheryl harrison in latvia there mentioning you were the first speaker in NTS. and, and uh, she said that you might have actually had to make your own bed before you you spoke on it you know i think uh, we i think we cooked our own meals and made our own beds and did it just about everything yeah <laughs> so you're you're a real legend peter and you've really modeled i think both when you were in YWAM and outside of YWAM, what it is to be Jesus with skin on to, to kind of, uh, yeah, be, to show us what Jesus looks like. And um, so thank you for, for your words and for coming to speak to us. And well, I think for the, for the rest of us, uh, I think I would just encourage you to really try to take Peter's words into to heart uh, beyond just trying to figure out what side you're on what would it look like to create a space for reconciliation? And, uh, and we can do that as YWAM. Uh, we at our base host regularly meetings for Islamic, Christian, Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish leaders in Ireland. And we sit around in a big circle and there's monks and imams and we talk about our differences. And that to me seems like maybe what, where Jesus would be. Uh, and um, it doesn't have to be dumbing down our views to the lowest common denominator we call it a higher quality of disagreement so we there's this implied sense that we think differently and we're not all trying to think the same but we're trying to do it in a way that doesn't dehumanize demonize create us and them situations but is about moving towards our enemy with a dialogue and a seek to not just to be heard but also to hear and to understand the heart cry of the other side so let's, as YWAM, be these arcs, as Neil Cole said that we should be, uh, safe places, not of the moderate middle where no one has an opinion, but 
um, of, of spaces of grace, as you've talked about, Peter. So, thank Johnny, you. thank you so much. Thanks to everybody. I, I see there are lots of people I would love to say hi to, hug. It's been 14 years in many cases. Um, it's a privilege to see you. Um, I'm sorry I've not been able to talk to you, acknowledge you individually. Um, at the same time, I'm in a different world now. We moved on and I acknowledge and love you. I'm not amongst you. And I really hope and pray and trust that you will find a way ahead in these difficult situations. I'm cheering for you. Um, bless you. Um, Peter, can we actually just ask you to close off this time um, just by praying for us as YWAM? We would really, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've, in, especially in this area, I think it would be great if you could just pray that the Lord would continue to lead us and, and guide us in this area. I'm going to do it using the prayer I prayed at the end of, but I will personalize it as it were to my man. Thank you, Belinda. Jesus, God of truth and God of grace, come and pitch your tents amongst my brothers and sisters here in YWAM. In all these nations of Europe, these individual bases and communities, come and pitch your tent of truth and of grace. Teach my brothers and sisters to live in the truth. Empower them and lead them in the ways of seeking justice for all in the communities they serve. Lead them, lead YWAM in the ways of peace. Not a flabby, embracing all peace, but a radical peace that creates a place for all. And overwhelm them with your compassion, your forgiveness, your grace. We pray this for the sake of the world, for the sake of the nations of Europe, the cities of those nations and all living in them. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Um, Thank you, Belinda. You're welcome. Um, so, Tobe. Uh, you've got a, a little story to share about Pete, and then um, oh, no, 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 don't, no, don't no, 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 stories, please. <laughs> Put Pete back on, uh, Martin, and uh, and then we can we can pray for you. How's about that? Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Pete is a good one. Thank you so much. That was just utterly brilliant. Uh, I just love your heart and and your wisdom, and I know it's all lived. You know, it's full integrity. You're just living this out. Well, this is some years ago. Um, every time I go to Harpenden or the area, you know, I phone up Pete to see if he's home and, and we will go out and have a good afternoon and a chat. 
And this time, Pete, he said, I'd love to introduce you to Luton, you know, where I work. And, uh, and we worked, walked through Luton and everybody said hi to Pete, you know, there was a policeman and Pete said, ah, oh, that's the chief of police, you know, I said, hey, Pete, how is doing, you know, and another one, he was uh, one of the mullahs, you know, it's like, hey, Pete, how is doing, you know, you just saw that he was fully embraced by this uh, area, but also how he was trusted and loved. So I asked him, Pete, with what vision do you walk through Luton, you know, these streets, and then he said, that's it. That's it. I walk through Luton with a view of what this could look like, and uh, everybody, yeah, living, living in in peace and uh, and just this place thriving. And uh, yeah, you mentioned how with what vision you walk through Luton. And it just so blessed me and impacted me. I'll never forget that. And I think that was a lesson for me, but probably for all of us that no matter where we live, you know, with what vision, uh, that is what you're thriving for. And uh, so thank you for that lesson as well. Thank you. So I'd love to just pray for you very quickly, Pete. Mm, thank you. And then I want to bless Pete's heart. I want to thank you for his heart and for all the lessons that you've taught him, that, that he has lived, and how actually both the policemen, the mullahs, uh, everybody in Luton has been part of forming, forming this heart even and, and taught him how to love in a much deeper way. And so I want to thank him and thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing this living testimony to, to, to teach us as well and teach the world. Uh, you've used him as a peacemaker in Luton uh, and, uh, and um, a really a, a man of peace. Um, so we want to bless him and ask for just yeah, good health, a good relationships, a full shalom in everything he does, Lord. Thank you for Pete. Thank you for his family and thank you for his, his witness to all of us. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. Thank you so much, um, Pete. And uh, thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you for, to, to you, Tove, um, for ending us off there. So I have some great news. You get a break now. Um, uh, and it's going to last five minutes. You get five minutes to go run to the bathroom and get some coffee and come back. So be here at 11.25. We'll see you then. <laughs>